Hello, hello. Welcome once again to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film that's ever been made. I am your host, Vincent Williams, also host of It's All Soul, Wednesdays on GTownRadio.com from 8 to 10 p.m. And I am joined as always by... Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of the Black Tribbles radio show and podcast, which airs live on WPPMLP 106.5 FM in Philadelphia on Thursdays at 9 p.m. Also streaming live on phillycam.org slash radio. And if you miss it, catch it as a podcast on blacktribbles.com in any place and every place that good podcasts be. Did you do the kiss? Like, you were so busy doing all that. All that other stuff is new. You don't usually do all that. I felt like it needed to plug. Do all that. All right. And tonight... You want me to kiss him again? No, that's enough. <laughs> and tonight, we are... We, we, we are... We, we're talking about one of the... Um, one of the films that, that's in the black canon. Like, I think this is a canonical film. I think this is a film that is sort of the foundation of a lot of different conversations. Uh, 1982's 48 Hours, uh, most prominently known as Eddie Murphy's film debut as an actor. Yep. But before we get to that. We got letters. All right. We got letters. We got lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. Actually, we got two. All right. We got two emails, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's plural. Uh, there you go. Um, we got an email from, from Quenu from California. Oh, all right. Hey, Quenu from California. I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. Okay. He said, I listen to your webcast religiously. Oh, all right now. And enjoy most of your black movie reviews. Uh-oh. I wanted to know if you plan on reviewing one of the most positive black sci-fi films made to date. Oh. After Earth. <laughs> Not the best film. But from a black perspective, wonderful. Written, directed, performed in, including included their son in, positive role model, black father-son bonding, enough said, or do I need to say more? This film was panned, but it really should be held up as a shiny, shining example of blackness at its best. From Quenu from California. All right. Have you seen After Earth? I have actually never seen After Earth. It is an interesting film. It is an. You know what it's about, though. Like, do you remember the commercials and? Yeah, it's about it's, it's Will Smith. Yes, uh, and his son Jaden. Yes, and they, I think they like crash land on like a that, planet. That's or it, like. and then it's an adventure. Yeah, I mean that's the plot. Yeah, that's that's the plot that 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 is sold to us. Right, and then it turns into something else, and it turns into something, and else? then it turns into something else that not a pumpkin. It does not turn into a pumpkin, nor is it a secret porno movie. Okay. But it does turn into something else. Interesting. And it is interesting. I don't think it's that good. Mm. But I think you and I could have a really interesting conversation about it. If I remember, some of the scuttlebutt at the time was there were two things. One, they some people felt that the film was a little misleading because while the 
trailer prominently features Will. Okay, and his I didn't son. know if you knew this or not. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it really is mostly his it, son. It is ninety percent a film yeah, about Jaden. About Jaden, <laughs> yes, running around. And then two, <laughs> if I remember, that there were some aspects of Scientology kind of like you baked know, into the story a little bit. I don't know. And I, I honestly just don't know enough about Scientology. Mm-hmm. And I like bad science fiction as much as the next person. But I don't know enough nice there. about the the particulars of Scientology okay. to know if there were any parallels. It's not like Battleground Earth, mm. which, ve- which was like almost one-to-one. You could see how this was a Scientology... Yeah, allegory. You, you know, allegory intact. Like, it was barely allegory. But, oh yeah, this is Jaden's movie. Okay. And, but, but you know, I think there's this really, this really fascinating subtext. Because it's like this really um, successful father in his field. Mm-hmm. And he's almost legendary in his field. And his son has to live up to his father's success and mm-hmm. his son is always in his father's shadow and his son is sort of dealing with you know self-confidence issues and his father kind of you know tries to support him and those are the characters in the film but then it's played by Jaden Smith and Will Smith right so that again it's this really fascinating subtext but, it, you know, it's not the best film. It's also not as bad as people make it out to be. So it's not the best film, but it's not as bad as people make it out right. to be. Right. Like, like we talked about this a little bit before. I think, I, think, I think After Earth is the crescendo of the Will Smith backlash. Oh. That I think started with Wild Wild West. Oh. So it's by no means a good film. But it's not as bad as people make it out to be. And I think it's an interesting film. So this is... And yet... The 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 question is while you say that it's not a bad film, but it's yes. certainly not the best film, is it in still while being all of that? Because I trust your opinion. Yes, is it as Quenu from Cali says, an example of blackness at its best? That is the question that Quenu, unbeknownst to himself, has. Pose to us. So, I feel it is only right in our duty, on our march towards 100, that we make a pit stop next week. No, 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 no. It's October. Oh, that's right. Well, isn't this a horror movie? No, it's not a horror movie. (laughs) But no, in November we can maybe do it. Okay, so in November, yeah, yeah, we'll do After Earth. We will make room for After yeah. Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'll be a good episode. Yes, and we haven't done a Will Smith movie. I don't think. I don't remember talking about. I don't Will think Smith. we have, and we certainly have to get him in before one hundred. Like I was thinking, maybe, you know, the problem with Will Smith is he doesn't do a lot of black movies. Are they black movies? And I think there's a really interesting argument about this film. Like, mm. does this film change? If, if not black, if Will character. and Jaden aren't the main characters, and and I think that's that in itself is an interesting conversation because we've talked about this before. Again, back to Nichelle Nichols, I think by definition, black people in the future, 
right. is a radical depiction. Right. Because it shows that we lived. Right. So, so right. there you go. All right. I was thinking six degrees of separation. We'll do after Earth. In in November. In November. In November. Because this week, ne- next week starts uh, starts Hall- Halloween. We're going to get spooky ooky. Yeah, we're going to get spooky ooky. Um, so, Quenu, you have that to look forward to. There you go. In October. In October. We also got another email. This email is from George Otterberry. Hey, George. Hey, what's up, George? In in regards to our review of Truck Turner. Truck Turner! To which, on Twitter, I'll just quick aside, Bison for Life hit us up and said, Gents, I love this episode of one of my all-time blaxploitation faves. So many iconic lines. (laughs) Yes. Most of them which we couldn't say. On the podcast. Yes. <laughs> George Arterberry wrote, Gents, you hit a home run with that one. One of my faves from the Black PlayStation era, Nichelle Nichols and Yafit Koto were superb in this. This film had it all. Not quite up there with Dolomite, but it had enough charm to warrant a watch from the average moviegoer. I actually saw this in the theater as a kid. Parents didn't care. Different era. <laughs> I owned the DVD and the digital version. Nichelle Nichols saying the N-word is almost oh. comical oh. in its delivery. This film is comedic gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we are also big fans. Also, My parents took me to see Jaws when I was wow. six. We, I saw it at the drive-in. Jeez. So I had the driving in. I sat for those of you that know don't know how this works. The drive in, they had the microphone. So you know they'd have the screen, and then you'd put the microphone in the car and on the door. On the door. But if you remember, oftentimes they'd put it on the back door. Mm-hmm. And that's I sat in the back seat. Mm. And the drive in in Baltimore, it it would play the movie, then it'd play another movie, and then it'd play the first movie again. Mm-hmm. And we you know we'd, we'd make an evening of it as a family. I remember the second time that Jaws played being in the back seat of my parents' car with like a quilt over me and the music right in my ear. Wow. As Jaws was playing and I was, you know, I'm still slightly scared of the water because of Jaws. I remember I I want to say this was The Exorcist. Do you know what time what year The Exorcist came out? Uh 70 something. I don't think The Exorcist was 80. I saw my parents took me and my sister, my twin sister, to the um, to the to the drive-in, right? Right. And like you said, this was back in the time when the the drive-in was um, nineteen seventy-three. Wow, nineteen seventy-three. Um, that's that's terrible. It, this was the time when the drive-in, you know, you'd be seeing multiple movies. Right. Right. But you're looking for a, a night out. Yeah. So they took us to the drive-in. I think the movie was The Fox and the Hound, but I'm probably wrong now that I'm saying that this was 1973. But there was like about four movies back-to-back. Right, right. One of them, I'm almost certain, was like a Swiss Family Robinson movie. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Right? That sounds right. So we're sitting there, we're watching the Swiss Family Robinson. Right. And then another movie comes on, and I think it's just some other stupid movie. And then there's an animated movie. I think it was it was either for some reason I think it was Fox and the Hound, but I think the Fox and the Hound was in seventy three. I think the Fox and the Hound was later than that. Okay. So 
I think it, it may have been like the Aristocats or something like that. Okay. Some what, what one? It was a Disney film. Everybody wants to be a cat. Yeah. Aristocats is not a good movie. No, it's just a song. Yeah. It's just a really good song. Yeah. It's a real, <laughs> real uh, one pretty good song in a racist movie. Yeah. Um, but it was a Disney film. Okay. So I remember sitting there watching it. Oh, I remember it wasn't it wasn't Swiss Family Robinson. It was Dumbo. Okay. It was Dumbo. Speaking of racist movies. True, but I, I'm a sucker for Dumbo. Um, but it's very racist. Uh, but it was Dumbo, and then it was followed by like a 1970-something okay. Disney movie, right? And me and my sister in the backseat, we're watching it, and we're grooving, we're loving it, right? And then after that, another movie, kind of like a PG kind of movie comes on that we kind of dig, but we're kind of falling asleep on. <laughs> and I think that was their whole plan. <laughs> Because after that, after that came the exorcist. <laughs> it's kind of like a pool. It's like one feet, two feet, right, three feet, non feet, right. <laughs> so by the time the exorcist comes on, we're pretty much knocked out in the backseat, right. But the exorcist going on, I'm asleep. I don't know what's ha- what's happening. I wake up. Oh Lord. And I'm seeing, like, through my blurry oh, vision, I'm no. seeing Linda Blair sitting in the bed. Oh, no. And it's like a redhead in the, in the bed as oh. I'm still kind of waking up. And I'm like, oh, is it a kid's movie? Some kid sitting Right, because she's a kid. And right, it's a kid, right. So it's more kid's movies. Right. And then I, I think, for some reason, I seem to remember that she's talking to the priest. Right, right, right. And I knew enough because I went to Catholic school. Right, right. That, oh, it's talking to a priest. Right, right, oh, right. what's going on? Right. Are they having communion? Yes. So I'm waking, I'm waking up. My it's parents don't know I'm It's waking. like the Apple Dumpling Gang. You know, it's a kid and it's an authority figure. And I'm waiting for Don Knotts and Tim Conway. They're about to get into an adventure. <laughs> and my parents don't know that I'm waking up because I'm like in the back seat. Right. All of a sudden, she projectile vomits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the on the priest. Yeah, yeah. I said, "Ah!" Yeah. My parents turned and gave me a look. Yeah. That put me immediately back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents were terrible in the seventies. They were. We all need therapy. <laughs> they were. They were. They were terrible. I look at old pictures. I'm like, I don't even know how I made it out to the 70s with you people. I don't know. Yeah. That's all the feedback we've gotten, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, each and every one of you that emails us at michellemission at gmail.com. Likes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at michellemission or Mission Michelle. Um, I want to invite you because as Vince told you October is the month of horror so we're going to be reviewing horror movies all this month and it will cap off on October 28th at a Malcolm Comics and Coffee House where we will be for our second annual Halloween screening this year we will be screening Eddie Murphy in Vampire in Brooklyn. All right. Complete with Angela Bassett. All right now. We're inviting you all to come down, have a good time, and please join us in enjoying this movie completely adorned in a 
cape of your choosing. Cape of your choice. Length, color, and fabric. Come one, come all. Bring your capes to Vampire in Brooklyn in a Malcolm Comics and Coffee House on October 28th. We're going to be putting up the information soon on our website and on our Facebook and on the Facebook page so people can RSVP and let us all know who is coming down to, to get down. we got to reach out to Summer. See yes. If she can come yes, up with absolutely. like a, a vampiric-thick uh, uh, brew That's right. for the evening. Eddie Murphy wig hair on the dog. There you go. There you go. An Ashford and Simpson special. There you go. All right. All right. Let's get into some. Let's get into it. Let's get into some good Eddie Murphy. Yes. Forty-eight hours. We ain't partners. We ain't brothers, and we ain't friends. I'm putting you down and keeping you down until Gans is locked up or dead. And if Gans gets away, you're gonna be sorry you ever met me. I'm already sorry. Nick Nolte is a cop. Eddie Murphy is a con. I can help you get Gans, but you gotta get me out of here first. You're crazy. He pulls some strings. See how you need me a little more than you thought, huh, Mr. K? He pulls some scams. So where do you want to do it, honey? Want to hop up on the counter? Nah, we can go in this room over here next to the bathroom. Yeah, right. I'm serious. Come on, we're in the mood. Let's go. They've got two killers to track down. Toss me that piece, and it won't waste time. They've got a kidnapping going down. I want the money. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not that Indian to snap her neck. They've got a fortune to hunt down. I want to know what's going on between you and Gans. Half a million dollars. And it's all coming down in 48 hours. But I gave you 48 hours to come up with something and the clock's running. This guy got a real itchy trigger finger and he's a nervous cop. You better listen to him because your brain's blown out. I'm the calm type. <laughs> Looking for a good old boy by the name of Billy Bear. Never heard of him. You heard of him now, man? You know, you are real stupid for a cop, man. You're following this guy too close. Yeah, well, most cops are pretty stupid, but since you landed in jail, what the hell does that make you? Luther? I'm sorry about the door, man. Did that hurt? It looked real painful. You come clean and we're going again right here, right now. Are you in some hurry or something? Yes, I'm in a hurry. I haven't done anything for three years. Oh, you used to be a priest or something. You saved my knife. If you screw up, I can promise you. You're going down. They couldn't like each other less. They couldn't need each other more. You want to bet? And if they can get off each other's case. Look at you. You got a $500 suit on. You're still a low life. Yeah, but I look good. They just might solve this one. Being a cop is a hard job, Jack. Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy. We ain't brothers, we ain't partners, and we ain't friends. Now, if Dan gets away with my money, you're going to be sorry you ever met me. I'm already sorry. 48 hours. Y'all be cool. Renegade cop Jack Cates, played by Nick Nolte, pulls robber Reggie Hammond, played once again by Eddie Murphy from a federal prison, on a 48-hour leave to help him capture Hammond's old partner, Albert Gantz, played by a surprisingly effective James Remar. He's one of those actors from the 80s that you always see and you go, oh yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a fair number of actors in here like that. That you go, oh, it's that person. <laughs> Having escaped from a prison work crew, Gans is on a killing spree around San Francisco and on the trail of half a million dollars that went missing after one of their robberies. The cocky Reggie knows where the money is, but spars with the hot-headed Jack as he enjoys his temporary freedom. 1982's 48 Hours. Many people have said this is the the beginning of the modern buddy comedy era. Certainly the beginning of Eddie Murphy's film career. Mm -hmm. Lynn, this was your choice. It was my choice. And I I would say that this is definitively the birthplace of the buddy cop film. Okay. Um... And it it and it still holds up probably to my eyes as the best really buddy cop film. Interesting. I don't I there's no buddy cop film that is better than forty eight hours, including its subsequent sequels, including Lethal Weapon. I was gonna ask about the first sequels. Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon is good. Okay. But the uh, 48, 48 hours and the chemistry that Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy and director Walter Hill. I didn't mention Walter Hill and I should have. Put across on this screen is what sets this apart from every other film. But I want to go back to 1982. In 1982, Eddie, Eddie Murphy, like you said, this is his film debut. At this point, his star is blowing up Yes, at Saturday Night Live. Right. Mr. Robinson's place, Gumby, uh, 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 him doing Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder James, James Brown, James Hot Brown, Tub, Hot Tub, c- Celebrity. Everything. Yeah. Everything Eddie Murphy touches is gold. Yeah. And what he is introducing into the world of comedy, because he makes his start in Saturday Night Live. So while at that time he was a fledgling uh, stand-up comedian, you know, he, he, he lucked up and got on Saturday Night Live. And that's when it, it kind of blew up. Because Saturday Night Live allowed you to see the full range of this man's talent. Not only just his comedic timing and his acting, but his mimicry, his uh, physicality. It was all on display in, most importantly, this brash, young, extremely confident, and handsome package of a dark black man. And that is uh, should not be... Um, taken lightly when you think about the origins of 48 Hours, a film that dating back to its original genesis in the 70s was originally going to be a vehicle for Clint Eastwood and Richard Pryor. Right. That's right. And as much as we all kneel at the altar of Richard Pryor, the comedian, there is no way I could see Richard Pryor, the actor, based on the chops that he has shown in his acting, also based on the limited box range-wise that he has shown in his acting. There's no way that I could see him pulling off the braggadocious air 
needed to play Reggie Hammond in 48 hours. Sure, sure. Now, mind you, the film was slightly tweaked once Eddie Murphy I mean, was yeah. signed on to it. But at the, it, it, still, the idea was for Richard Pryor to be this like slick, you know, uh, a convict to this hard-boiled cop. Right. Um, I could maybe see a 19, uh, 1982 Clint Eastwood playing this role. Playing, playing the Nick Nolte role, I don't see him having as much fun with it as Nick Nolte. I don't see it as being as layered as Nick Nolte is because, right. because in Nick Nolte, not only the layers are there because Nick Nolte is an, an accomplished actor. Yeah, and I, I love Clint Eastwood, but he Nick Nolte can act rings around him. Um, but also because even then, the demons that Nick Nolte has historically fought his whole life were evident. In his face. He's very threadbare right. in this role. Yeah. Um, but so I just, but I can still see Clint Eastwood pulling it off, but there's no way in hell Richard Pryor could have pulled this off. Right. And, and Gregory Hines was and the Gregory other name Hines, that you heard floating around. And Gregory Hines, good actor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe would have brought a little bit of a different energy yeah, to it. So yeah, I don't yeah. want to knock that. I do think he, you know, it's more of an actor than Richard Pryor is, so I, I don't want to say that he couldn't do it. And I've seen uh, Gregory Hines do some, go some dark places in some of his acting. Oh yeah. So I'll, I'll you know, I'm not going to say that he couldn't go there, but I don't think that he would have been able to pull off the, the, the com- the comedy right that Eddie Murphy pulls off right because even at this young age, Eddie, right from the start, even when he was on Saturday Night Live and here in his debut. Eddie Murphy is uh, smart enough to know what he doesn't know, right? But he's also brave enough to not care, yeah, and just go for it. And to be clear, he's twenty-one. He's twenty-one years. Yeah, he's old a kid in this movie. Yeah, and you know, I can't. You know, as much as I'm a a, a student of Hollywood history. I am hard pressed to think of any person's film debut that thunderstruck Hollywood as hard. Yeah, oh yeah. As Eddie Murphy's does in this movie. Because from the second he comes onto the screen, when you walk up to in in the cell and then he is singing the police's rock sand. There it is. He owns this film. Oh yeah. And Nick Nolte smart is smart enough oh, yeah. to get along for the ride. There you go. And just ride and just I'm gonna ride where you take me, brother. Right. And Walter Hill is a good enough director. Yes. To to kind of shift gears. To to understand like I'm I'm seeing what I got here. Right. I'm liking what I'm seeing. All I really need to do is give them the basics of a plot you need to get from A to Z. Yeah. And then let them go. Yeah. And that's what he does. You know, put a couple of obstacles, some things for them to play with, you know, along the way, including the um, the historic scene inside of Torchy's uh, uh, yeah, uh, bar. I mean, yeah. Uh, but it, it, as well as the historic fight in the back alley, um, it, everything. He, he's just smart enough to just get out of the way. And let them and let these two actors go for it. 
and that and that makes for a scintillating movie. However, uh-oh, however, what truly makes this movie stand apart as the best buddy cop film of them all is because as great as Nick Nolte and Eddie Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Murphy R. They are only so good because even when he's not on the screen, you can feel James Remar as Gans. Yeah. Like, just just permeating over them. Yeah. Who they have to get. That is how much of a a, uh, a star turn James Remar makes in this movie. He makes such a star turn in this movie that this is 1982. Yeah. Every single time that man has been on the screen in anything, including his voice in an animated feature, I am just waiting for the worm to turn and him to be the bad guy. (laughs) Right, right, right. Because he scared the hell out of me. He's he's a monster. He is a whole monster wearing it on his sleeve. And that's why, as far in the history of those 80s, action films a lot of po- people you know they they ride to alex rickman in the first uh die, die hard. hard sure and and i'll ride with him as well but 1b is james remar is gans in 48 hours and it's that quartet of murphy nolte hill and remar remar that make this movie just uh, a, a a bona fide classic. The music of this movie is strictly eighties with oh, the yeah. whole with the whole synth and the the um the karam what what are those drums the, the steel drums the steel drums all, all throughout it is one hundred percent eighties. But you don't care. It works because it works. It and works. It fits. You know what I mean. The movie is smartly, you know, doesn't try to be over the top with the comedy. The comedy comes from the characters. It's just character moments. It's not punchlines. It's just character beats in this film. The the filmography of this film, this film is an urban noir. I just love some of the angles that they take. There's a scene where James... uh, um, Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte are walking out of the police station. Yeah. You're, seeing, you're looking down on them as they walk out. I mean, that's classic noir right there. Um, it's they 
bring San Francisco to life in this movie. It, it, yeah. From the car chases through the hills, running through the hills, and just the hillscapes and the bridges and, and the sun glistening off of the, the windows and the towers and everything, man. There is um and even in this movie, which you know by its makeup, the women are gonna get short rift. Yeah. You know that. But even there, there is still enough of attention to detail played to them that they're not just mere ciphers in the movie. You know, there's something there. No, is it super duper substantial? No, because it's at at heart the movie's not about them. Yet it's you get the sense these are people. Yeah, you do get that sense, and Mm -hmm. uh, and like. That just makes this just much that much more of a, a meteor stew, man. That lethal weapon, bad boys, um, uh, um, the long kiss, good night. Sure. Um, what's that? Oh God, Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis. Uh, Fifty. What's the movie thing? A hundred yard dash. Whatever. Oh, the last Boy Scout. Yeah, the last Boy Scout. Hundred yard dash. Right. right, um, right. Like all of those movies. This that is what sets all of those movies apart because to a to a point, even the Lethal Weapons films, maybe not the first Die Hard, but the, but Die Hard is not a buddy cop film. No, I was about to say I don't even include it, Die Hard in this conversation. Yeah, because Die Hard doesn't become a buddy cop film until Die Hard Three. Right. Um, but all of those other films, at some point, they, they they're dated. The first Lethal Weapon is dated. Well, it's a dated movie. This movie is not dated. I think that's why. I, I think even the music choices, the music choices, it's smartly. Yes, you got the steel drums, but then it's smartly. The you, bus boys. You got the bus boys in there. <laughs> Say what you want about the bus boys; they're doing timeless rock and roll. They, they, you know what I mean? There's the and it, so it, it fits in whatever era. That's why it feels so timeless, man. You know, I agree with you. Everything you said, but I think because I agree with you. I think that I'm figuring out at this exact second while I'm talking, I don't count this as a buddy film. I don't count this as one of those buddy films because I think you are absolutely categorically correct that the buddy cop film, the way we think of it, Mm -hmm. is a product of the 80s. And, you know, like before when I said earlier, oh, not even because to me, Lethal Weapon is the best of the buddy cop films. Okay, but it is very much a 80s film. Like it's very much, you know, there's a sheen to it from Mm -hmm. lack. And I think Walter Hill, the way he directs this film, he's very much coming from that 70s school. Okay, like this feels like a 70s film. And I think what makes it such. A fascinating film. Like, I think it's a great film, but I think it's also a fascinating film. And I think what's fascinating, going back to, you you know, what I said about, I think Walter Hill very nimbly changes and shifts gears. Mm -hmm. You feel the film change from kind of what was on the page to what ends up being on the screen. A, because of Eddie Murphy. I think Eddie Murphy is this this X factor that... I don't know. I don't think people actually thought this was going to be this because, you know, for my, uh, you know, I think, you you know, everybody kind of writes history afterwards and now everybody's a genius. Yeah. But reading between the lines, my reading was that Eddie Murphy got the role because a couple of other people turned it down. 
Like, I don't think Eddie Murphy was the initial choice. And then they kind of captured this lightning in a bottle. And Walter Hill kind of shifts the way things are shot. And then B, as you said, the relationship between the two leads, where it's, I almost want to watch it again. Because I forgot just how venomous mm-hmm. Jack's character was towards Reggie at the very beginning. And it is almost seamless how they forge this relationship. Yes. So that by the end, they have this begrudging respect, dare I say, friendship. Yeah. But you almost don't see it develop. I know. It develops so naturally. Yes. And so fluidly. And I think that is a testament to the actors mm-hmm. and a testament to Walter Hill. So that I think there's there there's an artifice to the buddy cop film that you see from the very beginning in Lethal Weapon. Like like from the very very first scene of Lethal Weapon, where Danny Glover is the old guy about to retire and Mel Gibson is a loose cannon. He's old and black, he's young and white, and they get together and it kind of they all just sort of do their thing. You see, but but I think that artifice that you're seeing is Hollywood shorthand for what is on the scene at but my 48 point, hours. But my point is from the very first scene of Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. you see what's going to happen. Like, you yeah. see, I think going into this film, there is no guarantee as a first-time viewer that these two men are going to end up in the place that they end up. Okay. But you see it develop so naturally. And then you just said it like 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 like, like the torchy scene, you, you know, and that's the Reggie, you know, that's the it's a new sheriff in town scene for everyone, you know, who don't who don't who doesn't remember the name of the bar yeah, that true, it happens in. True. It is like I realized that I haven't watched 48 hours. In probably 10 years, 10, mm-hmm. 15. Like, my go-to Eddie Murphy crossover film is Trading Places. Okay. And if you kind of, like, if you forced me to pick, I might pick Beverly Hills Cop over this mm. as a film that I just like to watch. Mm. Eddie Murphy, it's it's like Dorothy going to Oz. Like, it's a film, and it's good, and it's it, it's good. But from the moment he walks into that bar, you actually watch a star being born. No, you watch a movie star. Like you watch a movie star being born before your very eyes. He is so magnetic. He, 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 he just commands the entire space of the bar. And I think one of the really smart choices that Hill makes in that scene is he shows you the space like you're cognizant of this space right and the fact that Eddie Murphy is using his braggadocious braggadocio he's using his wit he's using his 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 sort of youthful arrogance yeah to control this space and a 21 year old Eddie Murphy pulls it off brilliantly yeah he does and and you know just to to go with what you said, I think I don't know if Clint East besides what what you said about the the demons that Nick Nolte has and kind of struggled with and and their acting prowess. I don't know if I've ever seen Clint Eastwood be as generous with the screen like Nick Nolte is with Eddie Murphy. Like Nick Nolte, you can almost see him 
kind of gear back or or, or, or work a different gear. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. again, I submit that if you look at the script, if you look at the story, if you look at the beats of the film, frankly, right, this is supposed to be Nick Nolte's film. Yeah, like he has most of the screen. Like Eddie Murphy doesn't show up until almost a half hour into the film. True. Nick Nolte has the backstory. Nick Nolte is the policeman. Nick Nolte is the hero who ends up killing the bad guy. In theory and on paper, this is Nick Nolte's film. Right. But then Eddie Murphy happens. Yeah. And I think everyone involved does this this really magnificent job on screen Mm -hmm. of shifting their approach to the material. And it's you know it, it's a fantastic film. It is an it is a, an absolute incredible piece of work in this film. Um, I I forgot that Annette O'Toole played uh, Nick Nolte's girlfriend. girlfriend yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm a big Annette O'Toole fan, so I really appreciated uh, seeing her uh, in this movie. Um, it's a violent movie. What is it? So, so this took me out of a little bit. I'm so sort of trained to see this kind of cop stuff now. So for the record, Gantz murders two policemen in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. And they don't shut the city down no. to find him. No, It's like Nick Nolte and his madcap scheme are in charge of finding the cop killer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. It's a. It was a different time. It was a. It was a different. It was. It was a different. It was a more innocent time. You could murder two policemen in broad daylight and sort of, you know, hide out with your girl, with the girl that everyone knows that you. That everybody knows that it's going to go. It was a more innocent time. Yeah, you know, it was the eighties. <laughs> it was. It was the eighties. You kind of had to be there. <laughs> You saw my boy. We just saw him in um, in Crooklyn. David Patrick Kelly. Yes. David Patrick Kelly. I forgot David Patrick Kelly was in it. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. You saw your boy. We saw, um, I, I forget, the, I don't know the guy that plays the police captain. Nick Nolte's captain. I think he's just angry black captain. He, is he angry in everything he's that He's angry does? black captain. He is he's the prototype. He now for, now now I now let's be clear. I think that there are pieces of the buddy cop genre that they take from this, but I just think they take them and shine them up. Yeah. Well, and say, okay, here but just angry black captain. Yeah. He's he's just screaming his head off. He's screaming his head off and he's tired of of your um of your lone wolf ways. You're a loose cannon. Yeah. The only thing that we didn't have was a scene of, of the loose cannon coming in and slamming his badge and his gun on the desk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't see that. We, we needed that. Yeah. Olivia Brown. I, I used to like Olivia Brown. From, this, is, this is the movie. Uh-oh. Watch out now. Y'all know Lean, Lynn leaned over. <laughs> this is the movie. This is the movie that, that introduced me to Olivia Brown. Me too. I mean... And then I saw her on uh, Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Show up on Miami Vice. But this is the movie that introduced me to Olivia Brown. And she'd always go undercover as a, a high class call girl, and then she had to wear little itty bitty clothes. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> ooh, you see, you got you got. It was remember, the '80s. You had to be there. You got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, this was 1982. 82. 1982. I was 15 oh, years Lord. old. Oh Lord. This was 
prime territory, dog. Yeah, yeah. When this came out on, yes, I'ma say it, VHS. VHS, and you played on the VCR. Man, <laughs> I wore out that fast forward button. Fast forward, rewind. Fast forward <laughs> and pause because it was like, wait a minute, can I see through that? Mm. Yeah, yeah, Olivia Brown. Mm. Olivia Brown. Mm. What she did to me, man. Uh, Denise, um, Tasha Yar. That's a shame. Oh, Denise Crosby. Denise Crosby's That's in there. That's right. A, I couldn't, think, a of her name with her. I couldn't yeah. think of her name in there. Yeah, yeah, Denise Crosby in there. Um, it, it, Mike from Breaking Bad. I know it almost unrecognizable. Yeah, because because he's you but know, he's already balding. He's it's already like eighty two, but he's got you know it's all the dark yeah. dark hair and 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 uh, quite a character actor. I oh, mean, absolutely, shows up, in tons shows up of all movies, the time. Yeah, movies at this time, man. It's just I mean it's just such a, a well thought out movie. Like yeah, can you pick some holes in it? Yes, there's a scene where you see Nick and and Eddie Murphy. Riding around uh, San Francisco. This is after Nick has picked up uh, Eddie from from prison and has put handcuffs on him. Well, you see Eddie and his arms are yeah, just off to the side. Was, yeah, I mean, that's cut to of, the next scene yeah. and his, his arms are. That's in sort the of handcuffs. one of the more famous continuity goofs that people talk about. Yes, it's there. Yeah, it's there. But hey, but you know, you forget all about it when Luther comes running th- down the street. And he's like, ooh, Luther. That door looked like it hurt. <laughs> he's so good. So here's a question, though, that I've been meaning to ask since last week. Lynn, is this a black film? This is 100% a black film. Okay. And here's the reason why this is a black film. Because this movie does not work with another, uh, with a white actor in the Anna Murphy role. Maybe it work. Maybe it works with you know an Asian, another race. So like Bill Murray role. can't be Reggie Hammond. I mean, obviously you'd have to take the scene out with torches. True. But but could Bill Murray, a young Bill Murray, be Reggie Hammond? No, he couldn't. Okay, he couldn't because part of their the the dynamic between the two of them uh, and this begrudging friendship that they develop is. Reggie and Nick Nolte himself having to come to grips with the uh, the racism and bigotry okay. that he shows throughout this film. I think yeah. it's a very touching, uh, not touching, but a, a, a very telling scene near the end where, and it, it plays funny, where, you know, they're kind of like, beginning to reconcile a little bit. Nick Nolte is like, you know, all that uh, grape and N-word stuff. Right, right. The watermelon stuff. Yeah, watermelon stuff. I was just doing my job. Keep you down. And then Eddie Murphy, without missing the beat, is like, yeah, well, you know, job ain't, don't explain everything. Right, that ain't all the job. You know what I mean? Which I like, like, I love that there was no real resolution. There's no real resolution to that. Um, nothing more said. Yeah. Because while yes, you do see the seeds of a of a begrudging friendship between them. There's a wall. Oh yeah. There's still a wall. Absolutely. Um, and 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 I like that. Uh, it, it was just smart, and, and it was just enough. It didn't it didn't need to be beat over the head. Right. You know, and uh, and a, a less uh, subtle writer 
slash director, which is smart because Walter Hill started as a writer yeah, first before he right. became a director. That's right. And I think that tell that tells in this. Um, a, 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 someone with a less subtle hand might have played that a little bit harder. Or we invite Murtaugh over for dinner. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so um, I really, I really did like, and again, just for that, that is, that whole relationship is what makes this movie ever, ever resonant. That, 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 their story, their relationship resonates today. I agree. With what's going on in this freaking world that we are living in now. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you. I, I think one of the things you know we talked about Walter Hill as a director Walter Hill directs another film that I have great fondness for like besides all of the ha ha but as an actual film and that would be The Warriors Mm. and I think one of the themes of The Warriors is 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 this sort of relationship that people have with the city right and one thing that I've always said about the city, the great thing about the city is that you have all of these people living together mm-hmm. that are different from one another. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily love each other. Right. But we figure out a way to live together. Okay. And I think that's sort of really intertwined throughout um, The Warriors and a film he does after that, which I can, you know, we've kind of talked about it jokingly here, but I kind of like it Streets of Fire. <laughs> and I think that that is part of the subtext of this film. Like you said, they have become friends. Like they like each other, but they that doesn't mean that they're buddy buddy, right. if you will. Right. Well, you, you know, again, they, they that the, the 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 job doesn't explain all of it. Right. And they still kind of get along. But um, this I, black, black I, film to you? Oh, it's absolutely a black film. I think it's absolutely a black film. I think. I think this is a film that I would say is absolutely a black film because this is absolutely an Eddie Murphy film. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can separate Eddie Murphy's blackness from what makes Eddie Murphy Eddie Murphy. Like, you know, we've kind of talked about this before. I think what makes Eddie Murphy such a transcendent figure mm-hmm. is that he's not an actor that for for the great Eddie Murphy films that we talk about, that they sand down those kind of markers of race. Right. Like they did for other actors. You you know, even going back to, you know, Sidney Poitier, or we talked about it on here, action, you know, Carl Weathers and Action Jackson. Mm -hmm. I think Eddie Murphy carries that with him. So that if you take Eddie Murphy out of this, the whole thing collapses. You you know, it's sort of why I think Beverly Hill Beverly Hills Cop, which I think you could make a much more vigorous argument that it's not a black film. I certainly would. But I think it is a black film because, again, it's Eddie Murphy. And if you take Eddie Murphy out of Beverly Hills Cop, it's a completely different movie. You know, Bill Murray is my Eddie Murphy stand-in. Like I say, you, you know, Bill Murray. Because I think the, the great thing about Eddie Murphy, and I think this is something that you know, when Martin Lawrence and Chris Tucker kind of try to remake this film, they miss. I think Bill Murray, like Eddie Murphy, is so much smarter than everybody else in the room. And he's worked out the angle so well that when he kind of goes into his shtick, 
the shtick is part of a larger plan. Yeah. Okay. Like he's a trickster, he's Bugs Bunny. Like, but he's and and you know, I think what you get in in a Martin Lawrence and a Chris Tucker performance is just the clown. Yeah. Like there's never a sense that they're smarter than everything. You're one hundred percent. And correct, and yes. but you know, Eddie Murphy is on another level. Like he is very much everybody else is playing checkers. Yeah. And he's playing chess. Yeah. So and I think Bill Murray has that same sort of feel. Right. When he's right. Okay. So Okay. I feel you. So also like so so the mental exercise I do is I replace Eddie Murphy with Bill Murray and I say, Would it be the same movie? And oftentimes it isn't. So yeah, I very much think there's a black film. There you go. And and you know, this is this is the start. This is the beginning right here. Yeah, this is the good this is the beginning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh it quickly takes a quick like uh uh stumble in the next film. But his Wait. career. Oh, is this um his next film is the is uh, um the, Dud- the, the, the army one. Yeah, with Dudley Moore. He's not really in that though. Yeah, but it's part of his film. I know it's part. Yeah, but even yeah, I think, and it was promo- it was promoted as Dudley Moore and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, but they went back and, and re-promoted it. Yeah, it's not. It's no. Not, they they went back and put him in there. Right. Like, it, shot I, a couple more scenes. Yeah, but 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 it's still. Yeah, it's it, it's Richard Pryor and Silver Streak. Yeah. I mean, he's in it, but you know, I don't. I, I've actually. What is the name of that thing? I just had it off. Nobody cares. I know. Nobody cares. It's fine. It's near the end of the show. His, his, We're not going to be doing it. It's not a black movie. It's not. His next actual movie is Trading Places. Exactly. Which in which I think is is perfect. I think Trading Places is a perfect film. It's a good movie. I I, I don't I can't find fault with it. Like I can't actually find a a dent in the armor of Trading places. So it's a perfect comedy. I think it's a perfect comedy. There have been very few perfect comedies. I, there have been like my very benchmark few. for perfect comedies is Some Like It Hot. I think it is as good as Some Like It Hot. I think that's actually a good benchmark for it too, because Some Like It Hot is so good because everyone in Some Like It Hot, including Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. is performing at sort of the zenith of their talent. Yes, comedically. Yes. And I think that's true about trading places. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, we we just we were just talking about him. Um, Dan Aykroyd, he's earning this money. Oh, Dan Aykroyd is fantastic. <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah. No, no, no. We were talking about uh, who's my man from Cocoon. Oh, Don Amici. Don Amici. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, but that's another movie. That's another. Movie. That's another movie for but, another time. For another time. But yeah, Forty Eight Hours is 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 amazing. I do think it it's. It's fascinating how much Eddie Murphy is not in this film, though. Like, I think you forget that, like I said, like it's a, it's you know, it's what, what is it? it's like an hour, it's an hour thirty six, hour and a half, hour thirty six. So, like for almost a third of the movie, he's not in it. Yeah, which is amazing when you think about what an impression he makes. Mm-hmm. So you know, but I guess um, if you got Amazon Prime, ladies and gentlemen, go fire up. Uh, 48 hours it's free for you on Amazon Prime yeah. streaming right now oh yeah it's a really dope movie uh, we gotta get out of here uh, where do we stop next Vince on our road to 100 well we're in October oh that's right yeah so, so we gotta uh, do we gotta do a horror movie and, and you know the road to 100 we're, we're, we're doing you know we're doing a lot of iconic films correct oh boy so 
Spooky Ooky, iconic black film. Oh Jesus! What do you think I'm going to pick? Let's see. Let's see what you think I'm going to pick. Go ahead and say it. No, go ahead. What do you think I'm going to pick? I will say it if you don't say it. You say it. Blackula. Yes. It's time. Oh, God. It's time. And it'll be a nice bookend. We start with Blackula here. Mm-hmm. And then we end with A Vampire in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It's a shame we did Ganjin Hess last year. We could have a whole month of black vampire movies. Oh, darn. <laughs> yeah, we'll do Blackula. I want to do Scream, Blackula, Scream. But no, we're going to do Blackula. We'll do Blackula. We gotta do the first one first. Well, that's what I said. I mean, you know, I think Scream, Blackula, Scream is better, but we're gonna do Blackula. It can't help but be. And there's always next year. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the next stop next week here on the Michelle Mission. Two Man One Podcast, every black film ever made. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.